Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 44 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here with Kurt Mortensen. We are going to talk about one of the core qualities of charisma today. We have a ninja incoming, a article about how nobody cares about how good you are at your job. Don't quit it just yet. We're going to explain. <laughs> I have just recently returned from a trip to Dallas, Texas, where I did the food thing. That's a good place to do the food thing. And, was uh, that a barbecue food thing, or was that just the overall Texas food thing? Uh, I did the barbecue thing. There's a kind of a, uh, and, and some people might sneer at this, there's a chain in Texas called Rudy's Barbecue, like Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue, and I really love it there. I think they have good barbecue. So I had that. I had some Tex-Mex, which is a big deal down there, but it was great. I probably put on uh, three or four pounds and have been working on running them off this morning. How's it going with you, Kurt? Things are going well. I didn't travel last week. Did have a birthday last week, so that was good. And did have plenty of fine foods and some things that uh, my family took care of. So that was good. So as far as travel, not much, but enjoyed the time at home. Got a lot done and enjoyed doing some years. Well, that's great. On behalf of the listeners and I, we'd all like to wish you happy 70th birthday. Congratulations. Thanks. 74th. What oh, se of those. <laughs> well, yeah, you have a harder time remembering the higher they get up. 92, 46, one of those. I know I did years. Which year? I don't know. After a while, it just all blends together. You know? Yeah, I think a lot of people, the older they get, the more they're just like, okay, let's just get this over with. I don't want any birthday <laughs> shenanigans. Was that how it was for you? No, I, I enjoyed the time with the family, did some other things. But that's kind of the interesting thing is when we go like from 20 to 30 or 30 to 40 or 40 to 50, that's a big year. We recognize that. But when it's just kind of in between, we really don't. That's kind of how the brain works, even with pricing. Right? Yeah. We always see that digit on the left, but the digits on the right, eh, they don't matter that, that much, even though they're at 99 cents or 97 cents. Well, I don't know if everybody knows, but there's an annual tradition. I always offer to buy Kurt wings, uh, take him out for wings for his birthday. So that's on the table. Let me know when you want to go do that. We have a wing place that we like to go to. I won't name it on the air, but I'll just say it's delightfully tacky yet unrefined, which is... Uh, <laughs> Hey, anything that has to do with wings, we love. We've, In fact, I think we've tried every wing place on the map, and everyone has their little bit different flavors and uh, specialties. But if it's a wing, I'm in. I'm in. I was at one in Colorado, and I guess the Colorado ones are owned differently somehow. They were telling me that. And they had this new wing sauce called the Daytona sauce. And I gave it a whirl, and it was pretty good. So we're going to see if they have that. I, I want to see what you think about that. It's like a super hot nuclear sauce or just a good tasty sauce it's like this good combination of hot and sweet it's perfect they've nailed it i it's what i'm gonna get from here on out if it's an option i love it well i'm in okay Count i knew you in. would be that's that's not a hard <laughs> sale no that's not you, you knew the what's in it for me right away am Wait, i the persuasion uh, ninja of the week well, i don't know if you call it a ninja but you nailed what i liked and what i needed you mean telling you that I'm going to drive you to a restaurant and buy you food and having you accept doesn't make me a ninja? <laughs> I'll give you half a ninja. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably half a ninja. <laughs> All right, well, despite my best efforts, I'm not the ninja. We do have a good ninja for today, but let's get into the article for the day. And 
try to do this before everybody starts turning in their resignation because the title of the article is Nobody Cares How Awesome You Are at Your Job. And this is by Bloomberg Business Week. Claire Sudath is the author of the article. And I'll give you just the, uh, the gist of it, okay? In an article published in the Journal of Social, Psychological, and Personality Science, take that, Kurt, <laughs> University of California at San Diego behavioral scientist Ayelet Genezi and University of Chicago business professor Nicholas Epley tracked people's responses to three types of promises, broken ones, kept ones, and then ones that were fulfilled beyond expectations. And while it's true that everyone gets upset when a promise is broken, it turns out that over-delivering on something won't make anyone significantly more impressed by your awesomeness. Going above and beyond a promise didn't seem to be valued at all. What do you think? So they're saying here, if you get this right, that that old saying to under-promise, over-deliver is... Really not true. Is that just for coworkers in general in the workplace, or is that for as a business marketing to your consumer? We'll post the link on the blog, and, and everybody, listeners, do your votes, maximize your influence at gmail.com. But, yeah, that's basically what they're saying, is that the under-promise and over-deliver thing isn't really that big of a deal. They use an example. I'll quote you from the article real quick. If you deliver books for Amazon.com and you promise four-day delivery, getting it to people in three days isn't that beneficial to you. In other words, this explains why I'm only mildly pleased when my plane flight is a few minutes early, but I'm furious when it's delayed. I mean, is it that true? When it's a little <laughs> early, you're like, okay, that's all right. But when it's delayed, I mean, you become rabid. At least I do, because I've noticed on a tangent alert, and you can ring the tangent alert. Oh, there it is. There it is. When you get there early, it's like the ground crew isn't there for you anyway, so you just sit on the tarmac waiting for them. That's my theory on getting there early. But I don't know. What do you think about this? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's all about managing those expectations to where the negative is always 10 times more than the positive. And after a few positives, we don't care anymore. And that was kind of a one of the studies that we looked at with praise when hairdressers would praise people when they gave zero it didn't do much to their tip but when they gave one it increased their tip when they started giving two three and four it actually started to have the opposite effect to where it was negative on their tip so i think there's a lot of truth to that we always look for that negative but we still can't not over deliver because of the expectations because they're expecting it and if we don't deliver that way it'll go into the negative and always will come back to haunt you well, we're getting into semantics here, right? If yeah. if they're expecting you to over-deliver, then that's effectively what you promised, right? That's true. If we expect Amazon to get it there in two days, even though they've said four, and we know it's going to get here in two, and that would be an interesting thing. They promised four day, but we always know it gets here in two, and if it takes three, we're mad, even though they promised four, because yeah. they've adjusted our expectations. A good point. So if you're constantly over delivering then you've just created a new bar for yourself <laughs> and you've just shot yourself in the foot <laughs> you have because that becomes the new expectations because if you say you're going to do it in five they know you're going to do it in two they're always going to expect two and if you do it in three now all of a sudden all this over delivery or this all this overachieving is actually could come and haunt you after a while that might be the gist of this article yeah he says that it really makes you think about how you spread your effort and how to use your resources wisely if you can guarantee an outcome, you'll make your customers happiest when you promise it. But if you're not sure you can do it, or if you think you can do it even better, you might not want to promise anything and then surprise them instead. But still, it's it's that opportunity cost. If you just do it within the time that you said, 
then they're just as happy as if you did it early. But if you do it early, then you create a new expectation. And, you know, even the best case scenario, it's not like it really creates any benefit for yourself. So uh, there you go, everybody. That's uh, we're, we're learning That's, a little bit about promises today. Pretty interesting article. That is interesting. I think part of it, too, is letting people know that you stayed up late and I got it two days early instead of the one. But then think, something like Amazon, I would never notice if they promised me five days they delivered in four yeah, unless yeah. they told me, right? So there's some things we just wouldn't notice. Oh, it's here. Great. In my mind, it came when they promised, even though they maybe got there two days early. I'm not thinking it's coming today, it's coming today. Very rarely do I order something and I'm waiting for it to come that day. So that might be part of it too. Yeah, good points, good points. We love your take. Send us your feedback, uh, maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com to let us know what you think about that. Is the old axiom under promise and over deliver, is it done for according to this article from <laughs> Bloomberg Business Week? The answer is maybe. Depend. No, I think the, the answer should be, it depends. Yeah, that's the economist answer, right? You can never get a <laughs> right. straight answer out of an economist. It depends, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, good. Let's move on to some stuff that doesn't depend, that is just pure factual evidence, as we always present on the show here, leaving you completely convinced of how right and how awesome we are. <laughs> we'll do the, the humble or the humility lesson here in a couple of weeks, and I will be listening and not talking on that one, correct? Correct. Yes. <laughs> okay. We're continuing forward in our quest to master the concept of charisma, right? Everybody who is charismatic, they get more of what they want in life, and they get it faster, and it, they get it easier. And who's not for that, right? That's, uh, that's good stuff. And we're getting to some of the core qualities of charismatic people. And the one that we're going to talk about today is self-discipline. And that can seem like kind of a yawner, right? Oh, self, yeah, I know, I got to be disciplined. Well, we're actually going to learn some things about it that you probably didn't know before, including how the fact that being undisciplined in one part of your life, Kurt, does that bleed over into other parts of your life? Or can you really truly compartmentalize your life? No, it bleeds over. Uh, that's their public life. That's their private life. That's what they do this. It all bleeds together. So if you don't have willpower in one aspect of your life and you do it in another aspect of your life, that affects every aspect of your life. We can't compartmentalize the different aspects of our life. When we're out of balance in one area, it affects everything else. If, just like a mutual fund, if there's one bad stock, it affects the value of the mutual fund. Just like one bad habit can affect every aspect of your life. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So Harry Truman, you have a great quote in your book. In the lives of great men, I've found that the first victory they won was over themselves. Self-discipline with all of them came first. I was thinking about this. I was flying out to Dallas a couple of days ago, and I decided to download a movie onto my iPad. The movie I downloaded is now my favorite movie. It's called Lone Survivor with Mark Wahlberg. It's the quasi-documentary, but it's dramatization of Operation Red Wing, where some uh, U.S. military lost their life in a very heroic operation in, in Afghanistan, and these soldiers were part of the military, Navy SEALs, and it showed a lot of what they go through to get in the condition that they are. And the physical trauma that these guys endured on this mission, while still being able to fight, is pretty shocking. Where you or I might get a bump on the head and we're done. These guys, many of them had been shot a few times, sprained ankles, broken bones, concussions, and they were still fighting. I thought that is amazing discipline 
think how much they've mastered their mind to tell their body to keep going and to keep doing these things that normally the mind is going to say, we've had enough, we can't do it anymore, and what limits they're able to stretch beyond. And that's in a physical environment. How does it apply to a persuader who wants to increase their charisma? How does self-discipline come into play here? That's a great question. Again, we're talking about that core, that inner charisma, because if you're not right on the inside, it's going to show on the outside, and that's going to take away your ability to influence and to have that charisma. And you mentioned the movie and how disciplined they were, their mind over muscle or whatever you want to call it. But we've heard countless of stories where people gave up right before the success or right before the gold mine. And my early mentor, Jim Roden, said something that was really interesting. He says, look, in life, you're either going to be disciplined or you're going to be disappointed. And there's really no other options. And this is a big aspect. You say, well, does it matter? Does it matter? It does. Because the studies show that talent is not the major cause of success with athletes scholars or artists, it was their drive and their determination, their self-discipline. And when we look at mental toughness and sacrifice, this is what brings that self-discipline and that charisma. And that's what we know with charismatic leaders is that they're committed to their mission and to their occupation. And that's the big aspect of what we're looking at here. Discipline and willpower are also known as inner strength because we've all had a day, it probably happens every day, when you don't feel like doing the things you know you need to do. So having that self-discipline, motivating yourself, picking yourself up after failure, staying focused is a big aspect of every aspect of your life. Everything you do will come back to this willpower, this self-discipline. And if you aren't disciplined, you will be disappointed. That's a great quote, Jim Rohn. He's a, he's a quote factory. A lot of good stuff. So you, in your book, gave some points about how we can really harness this a lot more and come across as more charismatic as a result. And a few of the things that you said in order to really jack up this self-discipline, number one was to break your goals down into smaller steps or smaller pieces. And I've been going through a new workout program, um, one of those that you follow on the video by the, mm -hmm. the Beachbody company, and they do some good yeah. workouts. They've got some really good ones. You'd be sore after those. I can barely walk. Yeah, it's, it's pretty <laughs> rough around here. <laughs> and I got to do it extra hard after those three days in Texas because I pounded on the calories, but... The lady doing the workout, she keeps saying that, hey, you can do anything for 60 seconds, right? Don't think about the previous exercise. Don't think about the next one. Think about this one. Give it everything you got for 60 seconds. That's kind of what I was, I'm thinking about here is if you've got goals or you've got things you're trying to achieve and your discipline is waning and you're having a tough time, you've got to break this up into smaller pieces that you can manage. What do you think about that? That's very important because the human brain, when it gets overwhelmed, when it's too much, it's too big, it shuts down. And this is important for two reasons. When you're influencing somebody and it's too much information, they don't get it, they don't understand, it's too much to install, what about this? They will shut down and you can't influence them. If I've come back from a trip from Asia, my publisher's got things to do and I've got things to do and my kids got things for me to do, I just end up taking a nap because there's just too much. And when that happens, when you're feeling overwhelmed, you got to break down whatever you're looking at into smaller, manageable, bite-sized pieces. That'll keep you motivated. That will keep up your self-discipline. Another point that you give in your book is to visualize what you're going to get rather than what you're giving up. Is there something that happens on the brain level there that allows us to be more disciplined when we're thinking of a reward versus what we're losing? 
Well, there's two aspects here. So what we're giving up versus what we're going to get. So the universe will not reward us physically until we can see it mentally, until we can visualize it. Just like that Olympian, they visualize that victory so many times, thousands of times that it's become just a belief for them. So until we can see it visually, until we can control our thoughts, until we can taste it, touch it, feel it, it's not going to matter. So we need to see it in our mind versus if we're focusing on what we're giving up, uh, if we're trying to lose weight and thinking about, oh, those French fries, oh, they're so warm. No, I can't. But they're so salty and you dip them in the ketchup. I can't, right? If that's our focus, we're giving it up, we're giving it up, and we love it so much, but we're giving it up, you're going to fail. Done deal. You will be eating French fries within the week. That's so true. Whenever I go on a diet and I get that late night craving, for some reason I want pizza and nachos at 11 o'clock every night when I'm hungry, <laughs> right? And it's because we've talked about this on the show before, that willpower battery wears down throughout the day. And, you know, you're watching, uh, I was watching 24 last night, a recorded episode, and they had a Carl's Jr. commercial on there, and it was tough, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but it's when you go in those those hardcore diets and, and you're thinking of what you're giving up, it ends in a flurry of bean burritos every time. You just totally fall on your face because you're dwelling on what you're giving up as opposed to this is what's happening and this is what I'm getting as a result of it. And I think it really ties in with the third thing that you said in your book, which is to monitor your progress on an hourly and daily basis. Because when you see that progress, it does make it a lot easier to dwell on what you're getting as opposed to what you're giving up, doesn't it? Absolutely. All these... Well, many of these weight loss centers, they have you write down everything you weigh and how many points is that and how, what's it going to do to you. You have to keep the score. Nothing's worse than not keeping the score. If it's, I guess we'll be talking about the weight topic today. If you're not weighing yourself every day, okay, you're not keeping the score. I mean, how can you know if you're doing well, if you need to do better, what you need to adjust, what you need to change, if you're not keeping the score, whether it's your income, whether it's your weight, whether it's your relationships, you have to have some way to keep the score every day or if it's really tough for you, every hour. Yeah. And rolling it over to the business world, if you're in sales, how many outbound calls or personal visits did you make today? How many of those turned into appointments? How many of those turned into follow-ups and sales? Like If you're just going out there winging it, then you don't have any idea of where you're at. You have no incentive to get better. That stuff has to be tracked because then you have the data. Then you know, okay, last time I set the appointment like this, I told him this. This week I'm going to try it like that, and I'm going to see what I get. I think some people, especially the the yellow personalities, are gonna, that's just going to drive them nuts. They're not going to want to keep track of that. But the, the more analyticals and maybe even the red personalities are going to appreciate the fact that if it's not getting measured, then there aren't going to be results. There's no incentive whatsoever. Exactly. So you make another point here, too, about this is really important. I had an aha moment about this a couple of years ago, but make sure your objective is really what you want. What, That's true. What do you have to say about that? I mean, what, what do you mean? <laughs> well, again, I guess our focus is going to be weight today. I mean, we all tend to look at that. After the chicken wings rant? Yeah, you you know, yeah, yeah, it's going to be us talk about this, something we all didn't focus on to yeah, where. clearly. Is it a change or is it an alteration? I mean, change comes from inside. You're doing it. You want to change. You're making those adjustments. An alteration is you're eating the carrots and broccoli when everyone else is around, and you're showing everyone how well you're doing, but the minute – you, and this is from somebody in my family, they have to go to the hardware store after dinner. And of course, it's the fast food, the McDonald's, the Wendy's, the few things. So when no one's watching, 
it doesn't become a goal, number one. And number two, sometimes you think you have a goal or a target that you're really excited about, but ultimately, like, hey, that never was mine. That was just kind of was given to you through osmosis, and it never really was something that you're passionate about or you liked. You were just supposed to like it, so you pursued it, then you realized you didn't. I Yeah, I told you that I realized this a couple years ago. I was working for a company in Indianapolis, and the the boss was really hammering on us that if you want to make this much money every year, you got to do X, Y, and Z and and all these things. And so I was doing that and I became pretty miserable. I absolutely hated it. And it forced me to step back and consider, do I really want to make that money every year? And that's when I realized, no, I mean, what is the price of your objective, right? Do you, are you willing to pay what it's going to take to hit the objective? Because it's perfectly okay to accept the fact that maybe I don't want that, right? Because you can really drive yourself a little bit nuts chasing after somebody else's goals or somebody else's dreams that are there for you, right? It's a mom and dad always told me I was going to be a doctor or this person always thought I was this. Instead of doing something that's really what you want, because a lot of this self-discipline stuff tends to take care of itself when you are chasing a goal or a dream that's something that deep down inside you want to do that you might even consider doing it for free. Am I right there? You're right. And that's the thing. When you're really passionate about something and you're focused and you don't even alarm clock to wake yourself up in the morning and it's exciting to you and you're you're changing the world, that's what you're looking for. And when you've tapped into that passion, motivation and self-discipline is easy. Definitely is. Definitely is. We're going to move on to our ninja here in a second. But do you have anything else you want to say about self-discipline before we do that? Remember, again, we've touched on this before, is that your willpower is like a battery. In the morning you wake up, you're supercharged, you're saying no to the donuts and no to the bagels. But every time you say no, every time you resist, it drains that battery, drains that battery. Every time you have a negative emotion, you're around a pessimistic person, your blood sugar gets low, it drains the battery, drains the battery. And unsuccessful people, by the afternoon, nobody loves them, nobody cares, and they eat a whole box of Krispy Kreme donuts, right? Yeah. But successful people realize, my battery is drained. I'm getting to the point where I don't care anymore. I've got to recharge it. And they have a plan. It could be a walk in fresh air, getting sunlight, getting nutritious food. It could be talking to an optimistic person. It could be getting yourself to laugh or watching something funny. It could be having positive emotions, looking at your vision board, or talking to your family, talking to your spouse, whatever works for you. But you have to realize unsuccessful people drain their willpower battery about midday, and they blow it. That's why everybody blows their goals at the end of the day because their battery's drained. Successful people still have a drained battery, but they're like, ding, ding, my battery's drained. Okay, time out. Let me take a second. Let's get it recharged. Let's work on it. They charge it back up so they can handle the rest of the day, have that self-discipline, and it makes a huge difference in their ability to influence, their charisma, their happiness, and their success. All good points. All good points, Kurt. Thank you. Let's go ahead and cue the ninja. All right, ninja, bring it on. Now, we're not very politically correct because I think that's more of a kung fu noise. Uh, <laughs> well, nobody would have known. Maybe a few of the listeners would have known, but now you just blown it. Now I'm going to be a sad person all day. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be very sad. I don't know if I can distinguish between the ninja and the kung fu and the karate and the taekwondo sound, but maybe some of our listeners can set us straight. Maybe. Well, I think the ones that have an opinion on this are going to have a very strong opinion. And then <laughs> the ones that true. don't just are going, why are you talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, it's time for the ninja. And I witnessed this the other night at a 
uh, evening seminar where the promoter had offered people to come sit in on the seminar and he was going to buy him dinner. They would get to eat. And the whole premise was you eat, I talk and that's it. Right. And it was a, he was going to be giving them some investment advice. And of course, everybody coming is going, all right, when is he going to get us? And you've heard, there's a speaker in the seminar industry from a few years ago, Kurt, that at the very beginning of the seminar would, would say, okay, raise your hand. If you think I'm going to try to sell you something today. And everybody would raise their hand and he'd say, well, you won't be disappointed, right? <laughs> well, this guy did the opposite. He said, raise your hand if you think I'm going to try to sell you something today. And they all raise their hand. He says, I'm very sorry. I'm going to disappoint you gravely today. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and everybody was like, wow. They just couldn't wait to see how he was going to get through this presentation without not selling them something, right? <laughs> and he broke down the presentation masterfully where he got them to agree that money was no longer an issue for the investment products that he was offering, that time no longer was and that knowledge no longer was. And basically at the end got them to all admit and raise their hand that say, yeah, I'm just, I've got the first time jitters. And he said, then here's what you need to do. You need to meet with my staff and they will answer every question you have under the sun. We don't charge you any money for this service. We get compensated by the providers of the investment. So just go set up the appointment and you will have officially felt all the pressure you will ever feel from my organization. This is it. How's everybody feeling? Because this is as high as I ever turn it up. And it was such a relief to these people in the room that this would be all that they would ever feel. It was be uh, pretty amazing to watch. Got every single person in the room to commit to and fill out the paperwork for an appointment for the advisors for his company. So I thought it was an excellent speech. He understood the objections that people were going to have, and he solved them preemptively throughout the presentation and got a great close rate as a result. So that's our ninja for the day or our kung fu master or our taekwondo master, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> Yeah, I did a lot of things well. The inoculation, the pre-solving objections, putting people at ease, the verbal packaging. He didn't say we're getting commissioned. He was getting compensated by the other company. There's a lot of things right there. And and that's a big thing with giving away things for free, whether it be a timeshare. People come in with that big wall, that resistance that's not going to happen, and he put people at ease. And the key thing here is he proved his worth, and people appreciate that. And once you prove your worth and you're the expert – and you can solve a need, then you become the expert and there's very little persuasion resistance. Absolutely. When you've defined yourself as an expert, it's just like the whole charisma thing. It's probably one and the same. You just have so much more latitude for yourself. It's amazing. It is. And so you're helping them persuade themselves. And he's mentioned, I'm not here. I'm not doing it. And they just persuaded themselves. They got their questions answered. And he did very, very well. There you Ninja go. for you. Ninja for you. Congratulations. No homers for the day. Not that uh, no blunders have happened out there in the world. I'm sure that there have been literally millions of them. But we'll have a, a few queued up for you next week. Kurt, uh, we're going to start winding it down. Do you have anything else you want to say to the listeners? Well, think about it. We're talking about that inner charisma, that inner influence. If you can't persuade yourself, it's going to affect your ability to persuade other people. But think about it this week. Choose that one habit. That one piece of your life, that one thing that you're doing that's really holding you back from achieving your objectives. Because don't get stuck in that trap. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It matters. It absolutely matters. So I want you to think about 
this week, what is that one thing, that one habit, that one thing that you're doing that's affecting every aspect of your life from your relationships, from your ability to influence, and let's fix it. Let's take a look at it. Now, the biggest thing here is identifying it. We've identified it, and let's come up with a plan to fix it, to change it, to become more congruent, increase our self-discipline, and it will affect every aspect of your life. It'll increase your success and happiness. There's no way around that. Yep, there you go. There you go. Break it into smaller steps. Visualize it and and monitor your progress on a daily basis and make sure it's what you really want to do. That's really what we broke down for you today. And we're going to continue breaking down the core qualities of a charismatic person next week. Please subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a, leave us a review on iTunes. That really, really helps out the show when other people can see that, oh yeah, this is a good show. I want to listen to this thing. So you can do that by just typing in maximize your influence in the search bar within iTunes. And we're on Stitcher Radio as well, and you can always listen to us at uh, MaximizeYourInfluence.com with a new web redesign to come Mm -hmm. shortly. Yes. (laughs) In our quest to become legit, along with our... Yeah, we're trying to get there. We're going to need to break that down to smaller pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, web design and and, uh, running that whole circus. Not my favorite thing to do, but we're working on it. So... Everybody, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. All right, we'll see you next week.